Yeah, the amazing Libby Grange is bringing us God's word this morning. And Libby will be continuing in the Psalms of Ascent series. So why don't we grab our Bibles, get comfy on our sofa and just open our hearts and our minds to what the Lord is saying today. Over to you, Libby. Well, hello. It is so good to be with you this morning. And I love just as... um, just as we've been in the service, there's been so many like little things just happening, like uh, just throwaway phrases, which I just feel is like God's kindness in what I'm about to talk about. Delapo said something around, you know, we're not limited by buildings when we worship. And as Lizzie worshiped, she was, you know, saying we want, we're after your heart, God. And um, Susanna was just saying about, you know, prayer changes everything. And I just thank God that, you know, when we're about to open the word, he's already preparing our hearts. He's already through his spirit speaking to us. And so I'm just so encouraged by that already. And we haven't even started. Um, But as Delapo said, we're in the Psalms again this morning and I'm in uh, Psalm 126. And when I saw that this um, series was going to be happening, my heart just leapt because I don't know about you, but I love the Psalms. They're just so rich and life-giving and they give us language to communicate to God in every season of our life. And so it's just an absolute privilege to be able to share with you this morning. So we're going to get straight into it. We're going to read Psalm 126 together. Uh, let's go. So, a song of ascents. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. I'm just going to pray. Lord, we give you our hearts afresh this morning. We ask, would you speak? We love you, God. Amen. So I don't know about any of you guys, but when I was like 17 or 18, I got an opportunity at school to do the Duke of Edinburgh Award. And uh, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's a mixture of torture and delight. Um, (laughs) There are so many amazing parts of it um, and also some not so fun bits. But I did the gold um, award, so it meant that I'd never done bronze or silver, so I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but my friends were doing it, so I was like, oh, why not? And... um, uh, we have this like four, you have a four day expedition. It sounds like you go into the Antarctic or something. You're not. We were in like the late district, but still four days of like wild camping. And, uh, I was doing it with like another six teenage girls. So you can just imagine the chaos of that hormones and everything. And, um, there were so many ups and downs. I mean, I love nature. So I love being out in nature. It's just amazing, but I'm more of like walking on the flat kind of girl. So like up and down, carrying everything that you need on your back just wasn't really doing it for me. Um, but, uh, there was, yeah, there was some beautiful moments. There were some fun moments and there were some terrible moments, things to do with cow poo. You can ask me about that another time. Um, um, just just skin peeling off the bottom of your feet. There you go. Enjoy that for your Sunday morning. It was just, there was some interesting moments. But it got to day four. And I was like, halfway through the day, I was like, I actually don't think I can carry on. I was like, I think I need airlifted off this hill. Like, my legs were just in absolute 
agony. And it turned out I had like shin splints and I think I had a stress fracture in one of my shins. It was like, it was bad. It was really bad. I was in agony. And I remember my friend saying to me, she's like, oh, you can borrow my, my, my walking poles. And I was like, oh, maybe you should have asked for these like on day one. But anyway, so she gave me these walking poles and oh my goodness, what a difference it made. It made all the difference. It meant that I was actually able to finish the rest of the day because I was able to put my weight on these things and finish the expedition. And uh, they made the, the world of difference to me, these poles, just two pieces of metal. And you may be wondering, why am I talking to you about the Duke of Edinburgh? But these poles made the difference in me finishing that expedition. And the question that I have for us this morning is, what is it that we are clinging on to in our circumstances? In the ups and downs of life, in the ups and downs of everything that we have going on, what is it that helps us get to the end? What is it that we are clinging on to? And I believe that this psalm, in this psalm, we see two gifts given to us by God, two poles that we can kind of cling on to in every season. And one is praise and one is prayer. And praise for what God has done and prayer for what is to come. And let's start with praise. And so contextually speaking, what's happening here? What's happening in this psalm? Well, God's people are returning from exile. They've been displaced. They're living under oppression. They're not in the place that they're meant to be. And whilst there isn't necessarily a determining period of time for this, Charles Spurgeon kind of explains it like this. He says this, More importantly, these prayers for national restoration have been preserved in the Psalter for the edification of the saints, that's you and I, long after the specific historical setting that prompted them in the first place. They now serve as a means by which the defeated, the oppressed, and the displaced of all times and places lay bare their souls before God, their only hope. See, this psalm is as much a song for then as it is now. It transcends time. We can use these words, these prayers, and these songs for our very own circumstances. And so as I talk about this handle, this kind of pull that we've been given in the way of praise, I'm referring to verse 3. So it says, you know, our mouths are filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And praise, and I'll probably use the word worship as well interchangeably because that's probably just a term that I'm more comfortable using. I realize I, I am using the word worship in the sun context. There are many ways that we can worship God, but for right now, we're talking about worship in the sun form. And the people of God were singing um, praises to him in joy for what he had done. You know, God is delivering them and their immediate response is to worship him. And it's not the first time we see that across the Old Testament. Singing God's praises is an instinctive response to what he does for us. Miriam sings after the Israelites are delivered from the hands of Egypt. After this victory in the, against the Canaanites, Barak and Deborah sing this beautiful duet of all that God has done for them. Their response is to praise God for what he has done. And these are people just like us that you know, wandered in and out of obedience to God, and yet worship was a response which brought them closer to the heart of God, that gave them a handle to get to the next part of their journey. Now, throughout lockdown, we have been watching a lot of Disney. I have a two and a half year old, and so there have been moments where that's just absolutely necessary. 
And finding Dari is uh, a favorite. I can imagine Ezra right now is probably like, Dari, fish, Dari, fish, as I say this. And if you are familiar with Dari, then you'll know what I'm about to say. If you don't, that's okay. Uh, I won't spoil anything. But basically, the premise is this little fish uh, has got short-term memory loss, and she's lost her parents, and it's like her journey of finding her parents and being reunited with them. And uh, the imagery that's kind of used for that is uh, uh, she she and her parents create this coping mechanism for her to find home through placing shells in like a landing strip, basically back to uh, where they stay, where they stay, where they live, these fish in the aquarium. And um, <laughs> regardless of what circumstances they're in, um, whether Dory's happy or she's forgotten something, so she's sad, they always go find a shell and they put it in this landing strip. And the landing strip just kind of, I don't know, if it's not a landing strip, but like this line that leads her back to home, that leads her back to her parents. Each shell is a gift leading her back to home. And we have been given this incredible gift in worship that leads us back to home, that leads us back to God. You know, that when we are filled with joy, that that overflows in praise to him. When we face hardship, that we turn our eyes, our hearts, our mouths to God again and we worship him because worship are like handles that pull us beyond our circumstances that lift our very being towards who God is and what he has done for us I'm really visual and so for me it just reminds me of being in a swimming pool a lot of my references are about swimming but you know when you go when you swim and you go to the side if you if you pull yourself out of the water, it takes way more energy. But if you use the purposefully designed handles at the side of the pool to pull yourself up, it's way more easier. And that's the same with worship. Like when we try and do it on ourselves, by ourselves, it doesn't always work out. But God has given these handles to literally pull ourselves out of our circumstances, to see him, to praise him, to declare you are good, you are faithful in all and every circumstance. Ellie Mumford was recently interviewed um, by Harmony Smith for a vineyard series around worship and Chuck encouraged us as a staff team to watch and I would encourage you to do the same. It is so incredibly life-giving and just, she explains it way better than I can anyway. But she, um, she was asked this question, you know, when you think about worship, what is one of the words that you associate with that? And she said, gratitude. And when she asked her husband the same thing, John, what, what his response would be. He said, adoration. And she said, they're so interlinked in that one kind of feels the other, you know, the one is before the other, the other is before the other. You know, it's just a kind of this handheld moment, gratitude and adoration. And how true is that? You know, when we are thankful for what God has done, as we praise him and say, you are good, we fall more and more in love with him. We adore him more. We're like, God, thank you for that. We love you. And as we love him and say, we love you, God, you're amazing. We are more thankful for what we do. You know, it's this kind of cause and effect moment. And we see that reflected right across scripture, this handle to navigate every season and every circumstance. And how precious is that? And what I love is that there's also a then so the language that's used in this psalm, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, when he gave them a song to sing, then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them, cause and effect. See, when we worship, 
people notice. They attribute glory to God, not only within the body of Jesus, but also out with that too. You know, all the nations were declaring what God had done for them, even though they had no affiliation to our God. And it isn't bound just to the Old Testament. The New Testament talks about this as well. It encourages us to praise and to sing. Colossians 3.16, Ephesians 5.18-19, I could go on. There are so many references in the New Testament about singing God's praises and what that means. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And if we return back to the Psalms, in 105 it says this, the Lord is calling, the, um, says sing to him, sing to him, tell of his wondrous works. And the context for that is that the Lord is calling the Israelites to be a light unto the nations. And in order to do that, he's asking them to sing. And one of the things that struck me is over the years of being, I say that as if I've been doing it for decades, but as a pastor, one of the things that I've heard time and time again is when people are um, visiting church for the first time and maybe have no relationship with God, worship is one of these moments where they're just so moved. So many times people are like, I don't know what's happening, but as we worship or as you worship, and as I was listening to the lyrics and listening to the music, it's just moved to tears or it stirs a reaction in them. There's something in that when we worship as a people of God, it, it does something in people who haven't got that relationship yet. And I just think about, you know, the video that went like viral in so many ways, the blessing earlier on in lockdown, you know, tens of millions of people all around the world saw that. That had ripple effects worldwide as people, the people of God worship God and they blessed the nations. It was powerful. So many people on YouTube who weren't Christians reacted to that video and they're like, something's, I don't know what this video has got, but something's happening in me. Now you may well be thinking, Libby, are you a little bit tone deaf in this? We're in lockdown and we can't sing corporately. And you're right. The times that we're in are strange and they're weird, but they do not limit our ability to praise God, to make him known. It just looks different. You know, I just think about my own journey with worship over this lockdown period. There have been times where just me and Ezra have been in the front room and we've been worshiping together and we experienced his first time of worship. Dave and Hazel were singing and on the TV and he was there, hands and like out and eyes closed just by himself. And you know, I just think of the preciousness of that. But I also think of the times where I've literally been stood at the kitchen sink saying to God, I don't know if I can do this. God, I'm, I'm exhausted. I hate the washing up. I hate the circumstances that we're in. And just as I've worshipped, it's given me handles to get on to the next day, to get through what we've been going through. Worship has been transformative for me during lockdown. I don't know if that's been your story too. But I think there's this this moment where we're called into a depth of worship when we don't have the opportunity to do it corporately we still have these handles to um to God to the heart of God despite our circumstances and so how do we apply this <laughs> especially in these times one of the beauties of what we've got at the moment is we have worship recorded. We have an incredible worship team who are leading worship week in, week out, and we have it recorded and so we can share it on social media. We can share what worship means to us. 
you know, we can create space in our own lives to individually pursue God in worship. And, you know, I may never be a worship leader. God bless you all for that. (laughs) But my desire is that I would be a worship leader in my own home is that I would lead myself to a place of worship where I can say to God, I love you, I adore you, and that these handles that he has given me will help me to um, soar above every circumstance, every season, and declare his goodness. And so can I just pray for that? Father God, I thank you for the gift of worship. I thank you that we have been created to worship you, And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would stir that afresh. Lord, would you stir our hearts to sing your praises. Lord, as we declare who you are, would that give us boldness and courage to share who you are with those around us. And in a season where corporate song worship looks a bit different, God, would you take us deeper? individually in our own homes. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So we have this pull, this handle, praise, and we have the other one, prayer. So when reading this and the commentaries, and I was chatting to James about it this week as well, I was just so struck by the immediate term from God, thank you, to God, we still need you. You know, they didn't worship God and then turn on their heels and say, right, let's back to it. You know, they turned to the next handle to navigate their circumstances to prayer. Now, I don't know if any of you have been making some interesting purchases during lockdown. Uh, That's maybe something for the blether one week. You know, what's been your weirdest or most wonderful purchase throughout lockdown? But I was, uh, well, one of the things with lockdown is that it's stopped changing rooms uh, from being open. I don't know about you, but when I am wanting to buy a piece of clothing, most of the time I want to try it on. So it's kind of forced me into the online shopping sphere. And uh, I was looking for a particular skirt and I thought, right, I'll go to eBay and I'll see if I can save some pennies and save the planet. So that's what I did. And uh, I found this guy. I was like, dream. This is amazing. This is the color I want. This is everything I want in this guy. I realized this is very <laughs> shallow. But anyway, I was like, this is exactly what I want. It was a fiver, absolute dream. The person that was selling it had great reviews. I was like, bargain. So I bought it. The day came when the package was arriving. I was like, oh, getting excited. I don't know if any of you get the feels when the package is about to arrive through the front door. And uh, I opened it up and I was like, what? I looked at it and I thought, well, that's not the color it was meant to be. And it's definitely not the fabric that I was imagining. And I kind of held it up and I was like, no, this is not the shape that I imagined it either. And I tried it on. I was like, Lord, have mercy, because I can see every Jaffa cake, every chocolate, every, everything that I have eaten through lockdown is highlighted in this skirt. It was Pat Butcher, but not in a good way. It was terrible. <laughs> there is a good Pat Butcher. I'm all about Pat Butcher's earrings. Anyways, that's a cultural reference for you. Just watch EastEnders. Anywho, so <laughs> I was like, this is not good. You see, the point is that I was so excited for this skirt to arrive. I'd invested in it financially, emotionally, and it disappointed me greatly. You know, it didn't match the advert. The communication between me and the seller didn't add up. 
but God will never not match the advert. Our communication with him will never be mislaid. God will never fail us in our investment in him. See, these people are investing their hearts, their futures, their hopes in God. They are praying for further restoration of their lands and their lives from exile. And just before I go on further, I just want to draw us to like the wider arc that's happening here. The tension seen in the imagery of this prayer. You see, we see them praying for streams in the Negev, which would have been a desert place. So only streams that would be running in that place would be as a result from an abundance of rain, a great downpour. And this is kind of juxtaposed with this other imagery of a period of waiting for seed to grow before it can be harvested. Something that takes time, that is more collaborative. And I think it speaks to a wider arc of the now and the not yet of the kingdom. You know, the way that God moves in response to our prayers. Sometimes we see great, powerful moves of the Spirit that is much like the streams in the Negev. And sometimes our prayers are answered over time. And sometimes what we sow in tears, we don't reap until eternity. You can feel the tension in the way that this is written. And uh, if we drill it down even further into two kind of areas, Tim Keller says this in his uh, devotional book in the Psalms. He says this, Sometimes a flood of God's spirit comes down powerfully and suddenly like the streams from a distant mountain rainstorms, and then a community is restored dramatically but there is also a slower path to renewal. Those who sow with tears are those who have painstakingly prayed and wept over their own sins and also over people without faith. As in actual farming, sowing does not show immediate fruit, but faithful prayer and service will eventually bear fruit. The desert will become a garden. See, when I talked earlier about Duke of Edinburgh and that those two poles, it took the rhythm of one after the other to get me down the hill. And it's like that with praise and prayer, the faithful rhythm of prayer bearing fruit over time that not only gets us through our circumstances, but partners in extending the kingdom of God. Church, what are we sowing in prayer right now? I don't know about you, but there's definitely been huge chunks of lockdown where I've been like, Lord, just get me through today. Get me through this next hour. And that is okay. That is okay. And yet, as I've been sitting in this scripture, I really sense the more of God that we are being invited into. That we would dream and pray for the streams and the desert places, that we would be expectant in our prayers, that our circumstances will shift, that those that we love would know Jesus. You know, his heart breaks for those who, who, don't, who haven't come home yet, who don't know him yet. You know, Jesus came that each of us and every one of us would have a route to God, you know, to eternity with him. His ultimate sacrifice and resurrection paved the way for us all. We are precious to God. And so his heart does break for his children who have yet to come home. And church, that is our prayer. Break our hearts for what breaks yours, God. That as we pray, our hearts and our hands come into alignment with his will. Out of the depths of those prayers come the actions of stepping out, of speaking up, of loving well, of sharing Jesus. And how precious is it that those prayers are in the hands of the Almighty God.
can I just point out that not all prayer is lamentful and painful? That's not what I'm suggesting at all. Far from it. Emotion, and, emotion is not linear in these things. It's not painful prayer from now until eternity. But rather what I think the psalmist is saying here is that in the context of these circumstances, and indeed in our own unique circumstances that we're all facing right now, there is a handle given to us to navigate them well through praying with the expectancy of the more of God to move in miraculous and incredible ways and yet also partnering with aligning our heart with what God is doing, aware of the work that is to be done, keeping our hearts soft to the heartbreak of the many that are yet to be in this kingdom of God. And in this time when we are in a state of national distress, granted it's not Old Testament national distress, but our own distress, many are searching. And so church, let us be on our knees for those people now more than ever. And I'll finish with this. When we were coming into the final stretch of Duke of Edinburgh, we were promised a chocolate eclair. Now, I'm not a fan of chocolate eclairs, much more of a donut gal. But um, for us in that moment, that was everything that we needed to keep going. We couldn't wait to get our hands on this chocolate eclair at the end. That's what the prize was. But for us, we have the promise of eternity. We have the promise with Jesus beside us, behind us, before us, and with us. We have the promise that we will return from the harvest with joy. This isn't a maybe thing. This is a promise. And that will never shift or change. That gives us hope to keep going. And I was just thinking, you know, when it comes to worship as well, you think of songs shape culture, Songs are sung at football matches. Songs are sung all over the shop. People are inherently connected to lyrics and to songs. And church, we have the greatest lyrics. We have the greatest songs that we have an opportunity to be able to shape culture, to give hope, to give life. And we have the prayers that are in the hands of the almighty God that when we ask him to move, he will. And so that is my prayer for us today. That in every circumstance, every season, we'd be freshly acquainted with these poles that we've been given. Praise and prayer. Praise and prayer. And so why don't we pray? Holy Spirit, Thank you that you're here. Just ask that you would increase in us all that you're doing. Lord, I thank you that we have got this, these precious gifts in order to be connected to your heart, to your will. And Lord, I pray afresh this morning that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. Lord, that we would be in tune to your will for this season. Lord, that gratitude and adoration would flow out of every part of our lives. 
just pray for um, an increase in it in our desire to pray and to intercede for those who don't know don't yet know you, Jesus.